thank you for coming. Uh, actually, when I agreed to teach this class, I expected about 10 or 15 people. Uh, but it signed up enough for this session that we have a second session. So if you are just totally enthralled with the subject and miss something that I've said the first time around, feel free to join us in room 215 right around the corner. But uh, my name is Mickey Click. Uh, I am a uh, old guy, so I've seen a lot, been around a lot. Uh, and um, I'll, I'll cover some things about me. I'm basically, uh, this year, my wife and I will celebrate our 50th anniversary. Thank you very much. Thank you. And what's even more rare than that, my sister and her husband will celebrate their 50th anniversary. And some friends of ours from high school that we still see at least once a month for dinner celebrate their 50th anniversary. We were all in each, other we each other's weddings uh, and got married in the same year over a period of few months. So that's kind of unusual in itself. I've been in Royal Rangers about 40 years. I know there's at least one guy in here that's been in Rangers longer than me, and he is in, he is in still older than I am as well. Uh, but my draw to Royal Rangers is this subject, is the discipling of boys. Uh, I've had, I've had, I have three kids. Uh, one of them is in ministry, senior pastor in New Jersey. Uh, another one owns his own business in Dayton, and my daughter uh, lives in Florida. So uh, we have some experience in that regard later, later as well. There's my email address, and the only pertinent information about that is that uh, I'm not going to be able to cover all of the material available uh, to this subject. So if you would like to have some additional material emailed to you, if you will email me, I will reply uh, with a packet of some information. Uh, today's session, what we're going to cover uh, are basically these four areas. We're going to talk about your church's interest in discipleship. We're talking about the need for discipleship. And we're going to talk about making a plan for discipleship and the foundation, foundations of discipleship. Some very, very foundational basic uh, principles. Now the plan for discipleship I added once the network titled the class differently than what I submitted. So if you read the syllabus for this class and we talk about lifestyle and things like that, that's what I submitted. The title added making a plan. So I thought I probably ought at least talk about that for a minute since that was the title of the class. So we will cover some of that information as well. Discipleship is an extensive subject. Uh, there are more, more material uh, available for that than, than I could possibly even research for this one-hour session. Uh, it could easily be taught, and it is at some Bible, co Bible colleges, taught as a three-hour course, which means you spend 45 hours in the course of a 15-week quarter uh, to, uh, in class on this particular subject. And uh, it's, it's still probably not perfectly covered at that point. So obviously, uh, we're not going to be able to do that in an hour. So what we're doing here is like an overview of a summary. So that's like twice removed from really being full coverage of the subject. So uh, I'll go through this stuff pretty quick, and uh, hopefully uh, it will sink in. Uh, 
if you would like more material, again, if you email to me, I will return some additional, still not all the material available, but some additional material. So let's get started. Uh, first question, is your church interested in discipleship? Well, of course it is. There's nobody, no church on the planet, uh, particularly in this country, that would say no to that question. They all want discipleship. They may not know what it all means. Uh, they may not have a proper understanding of it, definition of it. They may not be properly preparing people to be able to effectively disciple others, but they all want it. Uh, and some churches probably even assume that it's being done somewhere, somehow, by somebody in their congregation. So it's important that we try to put some thought and some order to the subject of discipleship. Uh, so first question is, who is the discipleship audience? Who are we discipling? So that we know who we should be paying attention to in our local congregations. Uh, new converts is the first thought in everybody's mind. That once someone gets saved, when he gets up from that altar at the front of the church, Somebody should put their arm around her and walk her to an introduction of who they are, who, what they're going to cover, and how often they're going to meet, and, how, uh, and the sort of things they're going to be dealing with. That's how you disciple someone. But it's not just for new converts. If you think in the terms of discipleship and adapt the word mentoring, then you can see a wider particular audience that we would deal with. And there's Dane Mars. I can't help but say hi to Dane as he walks in. Welcome, Dane. So you will find many people, and this is not just in a church setting, keep in mind. You have many scenarios and venues that you are a part of that you can effectively disciple or mentor other folks. Work, family, recreational clubs, hobbies, whatever it may be, you have other opportunities. But there are people struggling in all walks of life that you touch. And when you do and you have that knowledge of that, there may be some things that you can do to help mentor that person through those struggles. There are people in your church who want to be more Christ-like than what they are. A lot of people peak at some Christian level far short of what Christ has in mind for each of us. And that those people may struggle with, how do I get to be more Christ-like? What things do I do? And you as a mature person in Christ can add value to some time with them to do that. Uh, there are those who are aspiring or being asked to move into various leadership roles in ministries within the church. They may need some additional mentoring or discipling so that they can be prepared for what they are facing. Because I guarantee you, whoever's recruiting them is not telling them the full truth of what they're getting involved in. They kind of gloss over some of those things that they might not want them to know. So you can help in that. Uh, there are people throughout your churches and your other uh, venues that have need for uh, various kinds of help. Don't sell your sh yourself short. 
you have experiences in your life that can help others. And they may, I mean, I had no idea why I went through bypass surgery that I did 20-some years ago, but you'd be amazed at how many people that I've been to sit and been able to sit and talk with and actually help them uh, through the anxiety that comes about with that surgery. And there's all kinds of people that constantly need uh, encouragement, and you can do that through a, an effective mentoring program. So who should be the discipler? I don't know if that's really a word, but I think it's descriptive of who I'm talking about. So you're looking for people who are well-grounded. They are relational. Well-grounded not just in Scripture, but in Christian life and in relationship with other people. Uh, you're not looking for loners and things like that. You're looking for people who relate well and can identify with other people and be very empathetic toward those. You're looking for relational people. Uh, you're looking for people who know how to make friends, uh, who are conversant, and who are able to uh, relate to other people in a very positive and encouraging way. Remember Ephesians 4.29, just popped in my mind, one of my favorite scriptures, that nothing will proceed out of your mouth except that is, that is edifying to others. And that's, that's a paraphrase, not a quote. So that's who you're looking for. If you know somebody that talks like that all the time, uh, then that's somebody that might be a good, uh, a good mentor. You want somebody that's trainable because nobody knows everything about anything. So there's always going to be some things that people can learn in addition to what they already know that can make them more effective. And so you want somebody that's open to that. And you want somebody that's accountable. Uh, these, are not, these are all things that need to be done within, the, uh, within the, uh, the, the envelope of the church ministry. So you want somebody that can uh, be accountable to the leader of that particular program so that they can be updated to know what's going on. And you want somebody that's loyal, uh, loyal to uh, the church, loyal to God, uh, loyal to the, the, the premises and the principles of the mentoring that they're being trained to and that you can count on. You don't need, uh, you don't need that ricochet bullet out there bouncing around, seeing how, he's gonna, how he might particularly do something. All right, so who is not a good discipler? New Christians, for obvious reasons. They need to be more grounded themselves before they take on somebody else. There's a lot of well-intended, uh, poorly contrived comments given to others. So the more they are grounded and mature, then uh, the better off they will be as a mentor. And I would throw in here, too, just because somebody's old and been around a while doesn't mean they're well-grounded. It doesn't mean they're mature. It just means they're old and they've been around a while. So you have to look at lifestyle, decisions, relationships to determine if the person you're considering to be a part of this is an actual good uh, mentor. You don't want somebody that's always trying to feed their ego. There's a lot of people who are more than willing to tell you how much they know. And they are more than willing to confuse new Christians about scriptures that they think they know something about. And they may in fact be right. But keep in mind, in a mentoring program, discipling, you have to deal with that disciplee, if that's a word, uh, at that person's level. So you can't be talking to that new convert 
about the deep things of God that you do in some small Bible study. It's just confusing. You know, so you have to see know somebody that is not trying to fulfill their ego by overwhelming new people uh, with information that's not to their level. As a matter of fact, this is really a caution because God is the only, per, the only person that we know that can deal with exactly where we are. We all tend to deal with people where we think they are, where they should be, where they say they are, all those kind of options as opposed to where they really are. So it's important that you recognize. And, and you don't want rebellious people. You don't want people that's always arguing with you or always pushing back. Not, to, not that that's bad in itself, but if that's the character of that person, then it's something you really want to be cautious about before you turn them loose uh, on somebody else. All right, so we'll talk a little bit about the need for discipleship. Uh, the first one I list there is a biblical mandate. There is a biblical mandate. We're going to cover that here in just a little bit uh, about the scriptures that tell us of how we are to be involved in helping others come along in their faith. Uh, certainly, new converts uh, need discipling. Uh, they can be easy prey. Uh, they can be disillusioned, discouraged, misinformed, misled uh, to the point that they give up. So they have to be discipled to bring them along and we can increase our percentage of retention. I hope you realize how many people actually make a conscious, heartfelt decision to follow God and don't finish out because they, they fall prey to one of these others. You know, I didn't put TV and radio ministry in there, but sometimes those can be harmful to the new Christian if it's left up to them to decide how to interpret what they're hearing. Uh, so we want new Christians, new converts to grow toward maturity. So that is always a driving part of uh, any mentoring process. So it's, it's, it falls under the, the aspect of why do we need to disciple people? You know, we want them to grow. That is, we're not creating clubs out here that we call churches. We're creating places where people can come to be more Christ-like. And all the years I've taught Sunday school, on and off, over the last 50 years, 40 years, uh, I, I'm very willing to say, if you're in a church and you're not growing more Christ-like, then re examine what you're, why you're in that church. You know, that's what we're to do, is to become more Christ-like. Mentoring can help that happen. All right, this is the part I've added because of the title of the class. So I think there's some good things in here. So let's, let's, let's just go through there. First of all, just to disappoint all of you that thought you were going to walk away from here with the formula to have a successful mentoring discipleship program in your church, it don't exist. In the same way that God did not tell, every, tell the church through the Bible how to be organized, because every church has a little bit different flavor on the basic tenets of organization in God's Word. And he did not give us a mentoring program that would be adaptable to every church. God knows how we are. So every church is unique and therefore will require some unique aspect of having and establishing a discipling process. Uh, but there are some basic things that I think would be consistent 
in some version from church to church. One is that church has to have a clear understanding of what is discipleship to them. You know, if you look in, in uh, resources out there, you could probably see hundreds of definitions. And we're going to cover one here that we, we use in Royal Rangers. But there are a lot of them out there. You know, but so every church has to come to an understanding of what is discipleship to them. They also have to come to a clear understanding of uh, how the relationship of ministries, not only to one another, but to discipling, to how discipleship fits in those ministries. Every ministry has an aspect of discipling, and in discipling itself can stand alone as its own ministry. And there's always going to be some sort of training. I'm the training coordinator right now for the uh, state of Ohio and Royal Rangers. Therefore, I had to include training. It was like a mandate that I got as I was praying about this particular subject. So training may include, maybe not everything here, and maybe things that I haven't listed, but certainly there would be training which should probably include mentoring principles. There are certain principles that are standard and well thought of from source to source of how you mentor people or, or, in this, or disciple them. Uh, there should be some training building about building relationship. There are different techniques to build relationships, to how to be friends and to how to uh, show interest and that sort of thing and other folks. So those, those should be included. Uh, of course, the biblical mandate, I'm going to refer to that probably maybe once more before we actually read what the biblical mandate is. Uh, there are safety issues that should be trained on. Uh, in today's world, uh, if, if, you, if you can get uh, assaulted by trying to buy something off Craigslist, believe me, it can happen in your, in your discipling program. So there's always concerns about men and women uh, being in the disciple relationship, what time of day, where you meet, that sort of thing. It, there are some practical things that need to be covered uh, under the item of safety. And of course, we should make sure that people understand the time requirements. You know, Jesus, Jesus discipled, started out with 12, ended up with 11, got back to 12. But it was a three-year process every day, constantly, almost like 24-7 for three years. And we still look at the disciples and say, how they did they not get that? You know? Well, let's not be too critical. If we were in the same boat, we wouldn't have got it either. Yeah, same boat. So, so just understand that. So anyway, uh, but it is a time involvement. And it's not necessarily time when it's convenient. Uh, oops, sorry. There's, all, there's a subject of God versus you. Uh, in the same way that you can't get them saved, you can't make them grow. You know, God's involved, you gotta, and you got to let that happen. You have to have reasonable expectations. We're going to cover all these more in a little detail. Uh, lifestyle, your training, and we're on the subject of training, so your training should touch on the effective lifestyle, the kind of lifestyle that is effective, and that will come out in our definition we're going to cover here in a minute. Uh, there should be some training about how to set goals for those that you are mentoring. Uh, and there is always transition that needs to be. Uh, you're not going to mentor somebody forever, unless they're your kid. That 
That never stops, by the way. But uh, it's important that you know at what point you need to transition from being their weekly mentor to being a counselor or step back sort of thing. Uh, and then some training that examines, makes the mentor people, the discipler, uh, examine their motivation as to why they want to be involved in this. So making a plan, we're going to continue that a little bit. No church ministry, no operation, no function that you ever deal with is successful without vision. Scripture tells us that people perish without vision. And this is no different from that. There has to be somebody that takes the lead, that inspires, that excites people into uh, becoming involved, getting involved with mentoring other folks. So you need somebody that's visionary, not with just the routine part, but where, where can this go? What can they do? I mean, what you heard, heard Pastor, Pastor John talk about yesterday in ALC, that was visionary stuff. And I would probably say if you sit and talk with the leader of your particular ministry, you will, you will hear visionary type comments from that person as they get ready to enact things in their ministry. It's, it's important that you have uh, the congregation buy-in. Uh, there's a lot of different ways to do that, but don't ignore what the congregation thinks about what you're getting ready to do, what you're getting ready to launch. Let them have their say. Listen to them. Uh, consider those things. Uh, in creating, we're still talking about making a plan, you have to create curriculum if you're going to train. You can't just bring a bunch of people together and say, hey, well, let's, uh, let's talk about discipleship. It would have been a lot easier. I'd, I'd had, you know, 20, 30 hours of my life back and getting ready for this class if we could take that approach. But you can't be effective if that's what you're going to do. So you have to have curriculum. You have to have protocols. And by that I mean people have to know what to do if certain things happen. Who do you go to? Uh, things are going to come up. Uh, if you think everything in this will go you know, exactly as predicted or even exactly as hoped, you know, let me burst that bubble for you right now. That's not going to happen. Things are going to come up. So there has to be direction given to your folks that are giving mentoring and establishing that relationship. They have to know how far do they go. You know, what did they do if that person they're mentoring reveals to them that they are a child sexual predator. All right? We're saving all kinds of people. God's working all kinds of hearts. There's a lot of dark stuff out there. You know, so what does that mentor do when that information comes to the forefront? He's got to have some idea. What do I do? Who do I talk to? Who do I reveal this to? All right? So create protocols. Establish help resources. No training is effective the first time through. Everybody can sit and listen to, to training in a theoretical state until they get out and try to put it rubber to the road sort of thing. Then they say, oh, wait a minute. I know they talked about that, so who do they go to? So it has some help in there. And, and, and make sure that you're considering when you're making your discipleship plan how uh, existing programs and ministries are impacted how they interact with the discipleship, how does discipleship interact, interact with them. We don't want to create stepchildren uh, as we add new programs and ministry to the church.
All right, now here's some, here, if you looked at the Royal Ranger training, uh, here's some of the sessions uh, that we use in training our leaders. Uh, and it's extensive. This is a, the, this, this amounts to a six hour module. We give in two sessions uh, and each session's 25 to 40 minutes each. And we cover a lot of detail on, on a lot of, on all these subjects. So it is effective uh, for the Ranger leaders. Now, keep in mind, this material is written to the Royal Ranger leader mentoring, discipling boys. So there's terminology and things in that material that might not apply directly, but the principles are still true, and they can be applied to any church in any of their situations. So uh, these sessions uh, are detailed, and they are similar in this format as far as PowerPoints, but they're long enough there's much more interactive interactivity between the instructor. All right, now, like I said before, there's all kinds of, uh, all kinds of definitions, uh, but this is the one that we like in Royal Rangers, and I think it would have application to a lot of places. It's a lifestyle of Christian living that re reproduces itself in others. So obviously there is some parameters there when we're talking about mentoring in the church. You know, so we, we will talk a little bit more about that in the, in the coming pages here. Uh, it may not be the exact right definitions if you're mentoring a young supervisor in your factory, but the principles of it would remain the same. The terminology might be slightly different. But here we're going to use a lifestyle of Christian living that reproduces itself in others. And like I've said in Royal Rangers for years, the real objective of Royal Rangers and Impact Girls is that the little Christian boy grows up with a little Christian girl, they get married and they make more little Christians. You know, so that's, come on, you've never heard that before? I love new audiences, all my jokes are good. So, all right. So, some things to consider of how we would improve our lifestyle. If our definition holds water, that it's a lifestyle that reproduces itself in others, then the core of that definition is a good lifestyle, the kind of lifestyle that will in fact reproduce itself. So if you sit down with your mentor, your mentor E, your disciple E, at your first session at the local Frisch's for a cup of coffee, you pop out your pack of cigarettes and light up, not only will you be run out of Frisch's because you can't smoke there anymore, but you more than likely have demonstrated an aspect of your lifestyle that's going to significantly decrease your effectiveness. So what are the kinds of things we need to do to improve our lifestyle so that we in fact have something worth sharing with others? We have to feed ourselves daily uh, with the right things, scripture, Christian fellowship, church attendance, Bible studies, prayer, uh, all those things that we've all learned about and know about, but now you have to put it in effect. None of us are fully to where we should be, so we have challenges before us in those particular aspects. We must understand that discipling begins with us. If your church has no discipling program, there's no reason you can't be discipling. You may not be perfect at it, but if you have a heartfelt desire led of God to help younger Christians, 
to advance in their walk. He will bless your efforts. Now, He won't bless you being stupid, but He will bless your God-given leading to help others. So you can be doing that on your own. Uh, some other things, you could find a Paul. None of us are past being discipled by others, even as old guys. We gain things from people that have been around longer than us and people that are more mature than us, even if we're not, they're not older. So find that Paul, somebody who is well-grounded with a godly lifestyle that can pour into you. Find an Apollos or, or even a Barnabas type that you can be friends with. This is more of a peer a similar background, but he has a quality of willing to be honest with you. That when you screwed up, he'll tell you, you did. He's not going to be that proverbial yes guy or yes girl to tell you that everything's going to be okay. Uh, find a Timothy that you can actually mentor. You know, I've said for years, if you want to learn a subject, teach it. You will learn it quickly. You know, so... If you want to be a mentor, a better mentor, a better disciple, do it. And you'll find, yes, through mistakes, but just like parenting, I learned, learned years and years ago from Brother Dobbins when he was the assistant superintendent in, in Ohio and a child rearing seminar he gave when my youngest was about three, who is now 46. But I remember this statement that, that most reasonably adjusted children can adapt to the mistakes of most reasonably adjusted parents. And God can deal that same way as your mentoring. And understand the biblical mandate. Now guess what? We're going to actually read some of the biblical mandates. I handed out some little slips of people at paper. So whoever has Colossians, could you read that please? So there's a, an inspiration for us to take the things that we know in Christ and deliver those to other folks. And somebody has Second Peter. Therefore, dear friends, since you already know this, be on your guard that you may not be carried away by the error of lawless men and fall from your service. But grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory now and forever. Again, our inspiration is that as we grow, we share. You know, this, we are not in an exclusive relationship with God. We want others to be aware of that. And the real treat of the class. All right, jump on it. Disciples of all nations. You know, that includes your, the guys on the pew with you. The woman in the next seat. They're part of the all nations. That's pretty good, even for a Packers fan. So, <laughs> you knew that was coming, didn't you? You, you? you know that. Okay. All right, let's talk about the subject of uh, oh, foundations. 
What I've been trying to get across to you is that mentoring, discipling is a relational issue. Without a good relationship with that person, you're not going to be effective in this process, whatever the process may be. But relational means trust. In a lot of ways, establishing trust is a scary thing. I think I flipped my page too soon, sorry. So why is trust scary? First of all, I want you to relate to a picture in your mind, your relationship with God. Because all these things provide a scariness as we relate to God. So it's very easy then for us to understand why these things provide that same level of scariness of someone relating to us that way. It's not that far-fetched. So, to establish trust, we must be open. Most of us don't like to know, don't like the fact that God knows all the junk about our lives. A person we're discipling may be pretty reluctant. If he wants a good relationship with us, he may be reluctant to share all the junk of his life. Another saying I've had for a long time is, don't be surprised when the heathen act like heathen. You may be discipling someone that was heathen just hours before days, weeks before, all that junk just didn't disappear. It didn't go away. So it's got to come out some way. And you, in your training, should understand how to deal in openness as those things are shared. Uh, it's difficult for some of us to be willing to be evaluated by someone else. We don't like to be judged. You know, that's a universal human trait. Uh, and since we don't like to be judged, especially if the judgment's true, you know, that person may have that same reluctance, that same dislike. Uh, we have to work on weaknesses. We are, we should be inspired every Sunday, at least, if not more often through our prayer and, st and Bible study life, to be inspired to work on our own weaknesses. Anyone here without weaknesses? Okay, we'll move on from that pretty quick. So I don't want to force any of you into line. You know, so, so we all have those areas that we can show improvement in. And it's people we're discipling are the same way. And we've, a lot of us find it difficult to submit to one another. Uh, particularly, it's hard for us to admit when we're wrong. Uh, the main issue here is that we think we know more than anybody else. Frankly, you know, anybody ever disagreed with what the boss at work wanted you to do? Won't ask for that show of hands. Put your hand down, Brad. So uh, that's right there a perfect example of how uh, we can be uh, reluctant to submitting to others. Now, I want to take a minute here and ask, is there anyone that's in or has been in a mentoring relationship? Is any of this standing familiar? Anything you want to share about that? Communicating relational is just the key. I mean, that, that constant communication and sharing intimate things about each other, I mean, it opens the door for that material. Okay. Same thing. You, you, you think same thing or similar? Anything else? Back in the back? First of 
made, and then a few months later, the relationship was fostered. Then Vanessa started to just be more honest with me about things that we saw in my life I needed to work on. And at that point, because we had the relationship, it was way more easy to trust him, even though it hurt some of the things he was saying. Uh, but <coughs> I was able to trust him and be like, okay, I know you, you know me, and you obviously see this flaw that I need to work on, and it was a lot easier to work on it that way. Uh, that didn't pop out in the first hour you guys met. Oh, no. Yeah. Gone. Yeah. That's yeah. exactly right. You had a smart mentor. Yes, sir. Um, time commitment is critical. Because sometimes with my commitments or his or theirs, we go longer periods of time and just need to be with them. And yeah. Good. Anybody else? Anything? I think it was important to me that when a partnership was involved that I was working on my weaknesses as well. Mm -hmm. Today is called sure. only framework to help us as we were we're good partners. Yeah. One of the main things with when discipling a, a new convert is to not be uh, overly critical of them. Sure. Because they're they're babies and they yeah. don't know and we have to treat right. them as, as such. So Rather than to come back and say, oh, no, you know, I, I try not to do that. I try to give scripture if I see them in the wrong direction okay. and, and talk about it rather than criticize it or come in too harsh. Okay. Well, thank you each for that input. I think it's enough to indicate to us that, that the, the things we're talking about here are real, uh, have a practical application, uh, and present uh, some real challenges for us. Now, those of you that have never had a mentoring relationship, and I'm not asking for that show of hands because of what I'm going to say next, is that maybe one of the things we've talked about here is scaring you off. If that be the case, then there are some very practical things that you can do to overcome that fear, and you can seek God as well to alleviate that fear so that you're able to move forward. Those of you that have done mentoring, uh, I'm sure you didn't wake up that morning and say, oh good, I get to go mentor somebody. That's probably not your first reaction. God perhaps had to needle you a couple times uh, to get you moving in that direction. So it's important that we understand that. So examine yourself um, and be honest with yourself. I've said many in many different scenarios God gave us a tremendous mind. It is so fantastic that we can lie to ourselves about ourselves and believe it and defend it and argue against it, you know, to the dying breath, so to speak. Hopefully not. But that's the kind of mind that we have. And if we are not honest with ourselves, we fall into that trap. Okay, so some other stumbling blocks. Uh, to being relational. One, and, and I ask that you, in each of these things I'm going to cover here, I ask that you examine yourself to see if you are, if you have a tendency toward this. One is that in most of our relationships, not with new converts or, or people we don't know, but most of our friendships that we call with friends, they're pretty shallow. You know, we, we're more than willing to talk about sports, uh, work, vacations, fun things. But when was the last time you sat down with your friend, a friend of yours and really challenged them 
to grow more Christ-like or that you explored your doubts and your feelings. You know, again, I won't ask for a show of hands because you'd just be lying if you never doubted something that you read in Scripture. You know, that's, that's not our nature. You know, we still have the Adamic nature from centuries ago. So it's still perceiving that our job as we become more Christ-like is that we beat that Adamic nature down further and further, but it, it's, never ground, it's never ground to pepper size. You know, it's always there someplace. So if, if that is you, if you're, if you're not, pick somebody that you're close to and sit down and say, hey, let's, let's talk about our relationship with Christ. You know, maybe you have to go first. So I think we're all often too shallow in our relationships. We don't allow that relationship with someone else to help us let them mature, encourage them, point some things out so we can both mature in Christ. That's our, that's our objective of our walk. Uh, we gravitate toward affirming people. Who doesn't like to be friends with somebody? I, I'm sorry, I hit the wrong button. What did it do? Whoops. All right, I have to talk louder. All right. Um, it, uh, we gravitate toward people who are just willing to tell us what great people we are, how, how, how godly we are, how friendly we are, how successful we are. We love those people, but they're not going to make you grow. They're going to make you feel better until you go back to reality. So, and I, I apologize for this. I don't know what happened. It's working here. So, oh, well, no, it's not working here. Could be. Thank you. All right, well, let's see where we are here. Okay, so, uh, talk about a couple things that we can do to establish uh, a more trusting relationship. Uh, one, always look for common ground. And you can find common ground with anybody. Now, you may have to work at it a little harder with some than others, but there's always something you can find that you're in common, you have in common with them. Uh, you, can, you, can, you have to look for some way to be relevant to that person. You know, they probably already picture you, picture you at some level of spirituality that they, in their mind, will never be able to attain. You know, we've had people we look at that in that same way. So if they have you there, you have to come up with some way that can make you more relevant to their life so that they hear what you have to say and that you can build that relationship. Uh, I gave a scripture of 1 Corinthians 9, 19 to 23 to somebody. Thank you. Thank you. 
Fantastic. Yeah, so we, we can seek something that we have in common and relate to them that they can grow. Because we have to remember the objective. You know, a lot of, the, a lot of these jokes aren't new or are not new to the Ranger guys in the room, but I love the saying that says when you're up to your initial, when you're up to your button alligators, it's tough to remember that your initial objective was to drain the swamp. So if you're not careful, you can get caught up into the minutia and busyness of establishing these relationships to forget what we're really having as an objective, which is to get this person to grow in Christ, which is what we're always trying to do. All right, well, let's talk about time again. Time is required. This is not something you're going to pull off uh, in your spare time when it's convenient or when you want to. You're developing a relationship with someone else for their benefit. So a lot of times, the time you have to give is at the worst possible time. It's, at, it's not at a convenient time, and it's at the time that that person needs, and that's what you have to, you have to be willing to respond to. It's not an overnight process. I'm not saying it's going to take three years, but you may have a hard nut case that would take three years, you know, or longer. You know, but it's not overnight for sure. Uh, and it's not just at your convenience. You must be accessible uh, to people when they need to talk with you. Uh, God is in control, is what this slide would say. And... <laughs> What that means is that the Holy Spirit is still doing the work. We have, not, we have not been trained to eliminate the Holy Spirit. We have not been trained to say, hey, we, can, we got this, God, step back. It's not going to happen. If we, if we take that attitude, then God can't work the way he wants to and the, only the way he can. So God is in control. Uh, we are only responsible to do what God leads us to do. Now, I am a huge subscriber to Stephen Covey. Stephen Covey wrote the book called Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And in one of those chapters is about effective listening. And one of the things that he promotes in there is that if, maybe not the exact same words, it's probably my paraphrase of it, but I paraphrase so much I begin to think it's my original work. But, see, I can lie to myself about that. But, uh, he promotes in that that if you are responding as soon as someone stops talking, then you were not listening to understand. You were listening to respond. If you are one who listens to respond, you will never hear what that person says. So if you are listening to understand, you'll hear exactly what your mentoree, disciplee, is saying. And you may have to step back and say, hmm. I need to think and pray about that before I give you a response. I think you'll have more respect from that individual than if you pop something off the top of your head. Because you cannot fully grasp the severity of some of the things people share with you. You'll have to have that, have some time for that to uh, settle in. For you to, you know, if, if, if any of you have taught a class, You've never sat down and wrote, wrote the entire outline of the class perfectly the first time. It doesn't happen that way. I got, I, as late as this morning, I have shredded paper down in the room that they set aside for the instructors today that I cut and pasted 
all this differently than, and I grew from seven pages out like to 10. You know, so it's, it, it's gonna take a while for these things to settle in on you. So deal with people at their level. I've talked about that briefly. And I gave somebody a scripture, 1 Corinthians 3, 6 and 7. Someone still have that? Thank you. Right. So God has to plant those thoughts in our heads. If you have if you think you have never had an inspirational thought or comment from God at an appropriate time in your conversation with somebody, then you're not paying attention. All that supposed wisdom that poured out of your head, it poured through your head right. from God. You know, and if you don't recognize that, actually, I think that's sin because you're giving credit for God's work to somebody else, yourself. But anyway, that's that's a whole other sermon. So uh, God is in control and don't let that uh, escape you. Uh, the next slide would say would say expectations. And the, generally, the expectation that I see that is most confounding to people is they're uh, expecting that there is perfection. This person's made a statement believing in Christ. You are believing in Christ. Obviously, you bring these two things together, it has to result in a perfect relationship. Eh, probably not. You know, so if your expectation is perfection, then you're going to be sorely di disappointed. Perfection exists only in God, no place outside. So make sure that you are reasonable. Teach what Christ did. That's where you get the expectations to be realistic. Look at the things, look at how he handled things in Scripture. You know, that may be a guide for you to how you handle things that come from your disciplee. Uh, look at the example uh, you know, Jesus did not deal with everybody the same way, did not deal with every situation the same way. He certainly talked to uh, the, to his disciples differently than he did to the Pharisees. He talked to Peter differently than he did to uh, Barnabas just because of their exposure and their, their experience. So the I know what did Jesus do uh, uh, has become a little trite that we're making bracelets and things out of it, but that is in fact a good guideline for us to to have as we are teaching and dealing with our mentoree. So the last and most powerful slide of the presentation is dealing with effective discipleship. Uh, some statements I want to give you here. The core of all ministry, not just discipling, but all ministry, is in daily spiritual growth of the people in the ministry. If you are the same Christian you were last week, last month, last year, you're not growing. So examine yourself and see if that's true. If it is, do the things we talked about. Get more in the Word, more prayer, more time with Christian believers, more exposure to good, solid, grounded teaching. So don't make excuses. Examine yourself and, again, be honest. Uh, no program is totally effective on its own. 
the people in that program that have been through the training, learned the protocols, have gone to the helps, they've got all that detail, they have to take that information as individuals in that program and change it into ministry, which is our objective. Discipling is an, is an effective ministry when done properly. We have to always consider our new converts and the help that they need. They might not even know they need the help, but I think we got that sound down if anybody's done with it. So, oh, thank you. So, and I'm a cynic too, I'm sorry, but I can be a little sarcastic. So, uh, God's still working on me, don't give up. So, it's important that we keep, always keep in mind what the convert needs and help them set goals. You know, and their goals have to be incremental, they have to be measurable, they have to be attainable. All those things that you've learned in some session about SMART goals, and they have to all apply here. So you don't want a new convert setting a goal that he's reading the Bible, reading the Bible through cover to cover next week. You know, it's not realistic. Help guide him in those lines. So that's all my official presentation. Thank you for your presence and your attendance and your attentiveness. Are there any questions? Anything anybody would like to say? I don't know everything, but somebody else in the room might. Actually, you know everything I know now. Yes, ma'am, in the back. Well, I'd love to, but the screen is not working. It is verbally. Everybody ready? If you want to write it down, I'll speak loudly. Mickey Click. M-I-C-K-E-Y, just like the mouse, and the last name has the same letter, C same number of letters, C-L-C-K. So, side note, I've lived my entire life with various groups singing to me, M-I-C-K-E-Y-C-L-I-C-K, works perfectly. So, Mickey Click at, I'm easily diverted too, by the way, Mickey Click at S-B-C, S as in Sam, B as in boy, C as in corporation at SBC Global, G-L-O-B-A-L dot net, N-E-T. All right, thank you. Anything else? I got time for somebody to give me a burning, glowing example of either what you should not do or what you can do to be an effective discipler. Anything? Randy. Doesn't take much. How many, you, you, most of you in here are old enough to realize that friendships are a tentative thing. You know, most of us have a lot of acquaintances. You might be doing good to have four or five good friends. You, you know the old joke, right? Said a friend would be come and bail me, out of jail, bail me out of jail. My best friend sitting on the seat next to me. <laughs> so there aren't many good friendships. Yeah, so I love you guys as an audience. You laugh at my stuff. All right, well, again, thank you very much. Have a good rest of your day. God bless.